It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the SB Nation Underdog Dynasty Podcast, Conference USA edition. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer and co-managing editor, Underdog Dynasty. Of course, the voice you're used to hearing at the open of this podcast is one of Joe Londergan. However, as you may know, if you're a regular listener, he recently got married to his lovely bride, Samantha, and the two of them are far away from work. They are on their honeymoon in Hawaii. So while they are sipping on Mai Tais, I have a pair of special guests joining me today. First off, uh, if you are a fan of Conference USA, and of course you are because you listen to this podcast, you're very familiar with this first gentleman. He is the publisher of AtTheRoost.com, doing a great job covering everything Rice Athletics, and certainly has a large voice in the Conference USA media space, Mr. Matt Bartlett. Matt, how's it going today, my man? Appreciate you uh, pinch hitting for us. Absolutely. It's it's going great. It's it's good to be back on and, and good to catch up. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. And before we introduce our second guest, let me ask you, man, it, it, it is another, you know, it's it's what, March 31st here. So that means it's 87 degrees here in South Florida. Uh, how are things for you in Texas? Are things finally warming up? Uh, this is one of the three good spring days that we're going to have. And I'm sitting inside with you uh, doing a podcast. So this is a, this is how much I care about you guys. I think it's <laughs> sunny and like 68, 70. So, so that means I won't rub it in that, you know, I'm doing this from, from the balcony here on, on Fort Lauderdale Beach. So again, I, 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 I appreciate it, Matt. But before we, we get too sidetracked with the weather, let me also introduce our uh, second special guest and the reason that uh, we are here today taping this podcast. We're continuing our offseason series as we talk to head coaches across Conference USA. Two weeks ago, we were joined by Middle Tennessee State head coach Rick Stockstill. Appreciate Coach Stock for making the time. But today, we're joined by fifth-year head coach of the UTEP Miners, coming off a 7-6 and six campaign that saw the program qualify for a bowl for the first time since 2014. Dana Dimmel's on the line. Coach, I appreciate you making the time to join us today. Eric, thanks for having me. Good to be here. And I'm always ready to talk some football or whatever y'all want to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely, Coach. Appreciate you <laughs> making the time here. Really fired up. You know, we want to had uh, we've had plenty of people on from El Paso. We've had Steve Kalpowitz, Adrian Bradis, but we've definitely wanted to get you on here. So appreciate you making the time, and I'll, I'll jump right into things with uh, my first question. Of course, for you know listeners, as I mentioned, it's March thirty first. So that means we're right in the swing of spring. You know, pretty much everyone has either just opened spring camp or is a few weeks into spring camp. So I uh, just want to start there, Coach. What are you know kind of your your goals, your biggest takeaways from you know your where you're at in spring and, and what you're looking for entering year five. Yeah, we have a philosophy on our spring, and we try to uh, maximize the days that we have our guys. And for the reason the reason we do that is because obviously during spring you get the 20 hours a week with the players instead of just eight hours. And so what we did is we had we're only going three days a week for practice, and we started and did two weeks before our spring break, and then we obviously spring break doesn't count. You don't, you, and we chose not to work with them during spring break so they could you know, take the time off there. And then we had three weeks after spring break. So we started 
on March 1st, and we, which is early, you know, but you're able to do that here because of the weather. And, um, and then we're finishing up uh, Friday, April 8th. And so it's been a really long period of time that we've had the guys. It seems like it's gone really fast, as it always does for a coach. And we had 14 mid-year players come into our program, uh, 12 of them as, as scholarship players, which is the most I've ever had. Uh, even though there's a you know a pretty good history for us with mid-year transfers at the places that I've been, uh, and so it was a really good uh, addition to our program. And so the big emphasis throughout spring has been getting you know those 12 guys acclimated and trying to you know thrust them into our two deep to continue to add depth to our football team. Coach, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said there as far as you know getting some guys in here in the spring and getting them acclimated and hopefully they can you know fight for a, a starting spot or you know a spot on the two deep come fall. You know, coach, the entire time you know you've had a really strong reputation as as far as recruiting JUCOs and and my question for you is how different is recruiting now in year five for you versus in the beginning where maybe out of necessity, you really had to hit the JUCOs and hit transfers hard to get guys just to, you know, fill out the two deep and have depth. Is it different to where now in year five, maybe you don't have to depend on JUCO so hard, you know, and you can maybe bring guys along a little bit slower or, or you know, what's kind of the, the philosophy there, in, you know? In yeah, that's that great thought line there uh, is, is that, you know, we don't have to bring in immediate help. We don't need to as much, um, but we've had such great success in the junior colleges. And from doing that, we've developed pipelines and pipelines are built from the players that you've recruited, recruiting players that they played with at the universities or the junior colleges or high schools, wherever they may have been uh, to your program. And because we got those pipelines started and firmly established now, we're really continuing to do that because we've been able to get some really good players the last couple years. You know, the first couple, just as you said, we were just kind of filling holes like anybody does when they take over a program, trying to figure out, you know, what are our pluses, what are our minuses, and evaluating that, and um, and then, you know, trying to fix what, what we need to fix. And then we got to year three where we really hit a – we really got fortunate on our junior college players that we brought in and, and our and our high school players. It was just a really, really good class that's starting to show itself now. Um, and they're recruiting more players from their, their places that they came. Um, so I was just coming, you know, coming back, I had a, I'm going to coach the volleyball team tomorrow. So I was just at volleyball practice and um, we're going to do a little skit where the volleyball coach comes over and coaches the football team. And I'm going to go over and coach the volleyball team for about 30 minutes. So I just came from volleyball practice and I'm getting out of my truck and here comes one of these really good, good players that just got here from Kilgore walking one way and then out the door comes another really good player that we said are both really impactful guys that got here in January coming out of the locker room or out of the complex and they were passing me at the same time. So I said, well, who's better guys, Tyler or Kilgore? And it's a huge rivalry <laughs> and um, it's great, but they're both impact players. And so it's just exciting the kind of talent we've been able to get out of those, out of those uh, campuses. Going to stay in the kind of the recruiting realm a little bit and ask you this, you know, obviously giving uh, UTEP's, you know, ties in West Texas and also to the state of New Mexico, um, how important is it? You know, you have matchups this year in Mexico State, in Mexico. How important is it to kind of, you know, build on those matchups, given that's kind of, you know, a, a hub of recruiting for you in, as far as your, your area in, in te West Texas? Really good, really big. You know, there's great – our fans have a 
a, a very good tradition in, in following those teams. You know, obviously, New Mexico State's a rivalry, and the New Mexico's an old rivalry from uh, the WAC conference. And um, so with that being the case, and then obviously, as you mentioned, too, the proximity of, the, of, our, of our campus to theirs, it makes it really good for us to, to, to re, for recruiting, but just for the natural rivalries for our fan base as well. So we would always like to have the opportunity to play uh, those teams. And we have played New Mexico State for many years, uh, but now they're moving into Conference USA next year. And so that'll become what used to be a non-conference game now will become a conference game for us. And so that'll just intensify the, the importance of the game if you could intensify it anymore. And then of course, New Mexico, Again, it's always a good comp for us to see how we compare uh, to the Mountain West Conference. Again, if you just join us, we're joined by UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel. Coach, want to ask you a question. It's been a, a hot topic around college football, and it's that of the transfer portal. You know, we've seen teams across Conference USA, you know, lose a handful of players to quote unquote, you know, power five schools, bigger schools. And of course, you're no exception losing, you know, star receiver Jacob Cowing. Uh, just want to ask you overall, just general thoughts on the transfer portal and what kind of challenges it, it presents, you know, and as opposed to maybe, you know, a challenge that, that you didn't have prior to the transfer portal and just overall thoughts. It really hurts um, programs and it hurts um, the coaches that build programs. You know, it hurts someone that, uh, it, it, you know, our resume has always been to build. You know, we've, we've re reconstructed everywhere I've been has been a rebuilding uh, process. Uh, to, to some extent, and it's been about what kind of talent you bring in and how that that talent is developed in your program. And so the transfer portal obviously is not conducive to that anymore for all of us, um, and uh, it very much has a ter you know tremendous impact on the football team. We've been really really blessed not to get damaged too much with the transfer portal, and I thank the Lord for that. Um, uh, our guys have stayed loyal and are doing a great job with that. Jacob left um, Cowling, you know, one of the best receivers uh, in the country, and he left for all the right reasons. He left because he needed to get close to his uh, little child uh, that it was young back in Arizona for some uh, very strong personal reasons. And he told me, Coach, I'm going to put my name in the portal, and if I get Arizona, Arizona State, then I'll go to one of those. And if I don't, I'm not leaving because this is the third closest place for me to play. And uh, he got everybody, you know, he got LSU, Florida, blah, 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 so, so on and so forth, whoever you might say, uh, offered him and he went to Arizona. So he, he went for all the right reasons. And um, uh, so, it's, but, but I'm not, I'm in no, you know, means think it's been a positive thing for, uh, for the building of programs, you know, and that part of it is the scary part of it. Obviously, you know, the advantages go to, to for some certain cases for the players, but in a lot of ways for them to have the option to leave all the time in their back of their minds, not good for building character, uh, in my opinion. Coach, I want to piggyback off. I just ask you one quick question on that. You know, um, the athletic recently published a, a piece on former UAB linebacker, Christopher Mole and kind of um, him, you know, having not signed with the program, you know, maybe, and again, these, these are from the words of the athletic, not put them in your mouth, but maybe, you know, thought certain offers were going to be, you know, come down the road that never came coach. It, do you, you know, is it a, uh, a situation where you try to give kids advice with the portal? Maybe let them know, hey, like, you know, obviously I prefer you not to leave. But if you do understand, uh, you got to go into this thing eyes wide open. I mean, it, it, do you feel a responsibility to try to educate them as best you can? Or is it a situation where it's almost like, you know, NFL offseason and you got to start prioritizing the next player and the next scholarship? 
Yeah, no, I feel like it's really important to educate them. Um, it's really important to try to, you know, instruct them on, you know, if things are good where you are, don't don't risk it and leave. I mean, if they're bad where you are and you're not playing and things aren't going well and you're not having success, then a change might be good for both programs, you know, you and the program. But if you're having a lot of success, and, and I can be a good mentor to them because I've coached at the highest levels, right, as far as college football goes. You know, I've coached at the Power Fives and, and had experience at the Power Fives. And so I can shed the light on them that, the, the you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and that's important for guys to understand. In the case of Christopher Mall, that, you know, that, that that's interesting because he's a tremendous, tremendous player. I mean, just a great player. I have a lot of respect for him. He plays with great tenacity and, and toughness. And, um but it's just, you know, a, an example of, you know, certain positions, certain time, you know, it's not always better to go into into the portal. So, but because the, there's a prime example because he's really, really a good football player. Two more for you, Coach, before I pass it off to Matt. Do want to talk, of course, as I mentioned off the top, seven and six season, first uh, bowl appearance since 2014. Uh, Two-part question for you. One, and as I mentioned off the top, you know, great relationship with the folks there at ESPN in El Paso, Steve Kalpowitz and Adrian Brada. So again, second shout out to them. One of the things that they mentioned during the 2020 season is it really felt like you were starting to build that momentum and, and turn the corner. So the first part of the question is, how crucial was 2020 in terms of maybe laying the groundwork for the success you had in 2021? And second part being, you know, did you have a moment this past year where you really felt like, okay, um, this team is for real and we do have a chance to really, you know, accomplish some of our goals? Yeah. Uh, to, to answer the first question, 2020 was very significant for us because we made a major, major step. And in the fact, in 2018, 2019, we were getting blown away. We weren't very competitive at all. Uh, we were building, you know, the foundation of the program. And in 2020, uh, we really took notice. And, and when we did lose, it was close. You know, it was very competitive when we did lose. And um, we, we ended up, you know, almost going to a bowl game that year if we, if we win our last game of the year. Uh, we ended up bowl eligible, and we had, and it was really heavily affected. We didn't play any home games after, uh, I think, uh, September 19th that year, and yet we still almost put together a, a 500 season and a bowl trip. So we were there, you know, and you could see we were there, and um, we had virtually our whole team coming back. And so that was, you know, a, a very significant step for us. And then we piggybacked that into 2021, and the turning point really in 2021 uh, was, you know, to, to start off and, and win over New Mexico, just a big, uh, you know, Mountain West team, a big non-conference win, started to get the, the momentum uh, building for us. And then uh, the Old Dominion, I knew Old Dominion was a, a much better team than people realized when we beat them. You know, coaches sometimes know uh, how, you know, and they obviously finished up their season on a very strong point, which, which was no surprise to us. And then the kind of the crowning, uh, part of the turn was when we beat La Tech to go six and one, and and we hadn't beat Louisiana Tech here since 1938. And so, um, you know, when you start doing things like that, that's where you know the programs. You know, you come off six and one, and UTEP again hasn't been six and one very often, uh, and hasn't beat La Tech in that long period of time. So that's where we really, you know, may we're, we're starting to really make some things happen in the program that made us feel, you know, very good about where where we are. Last one for me, Coach, and this one's kind of a fun question. Regular listeners of this pod know anytime we get a chance to talk about food, we are never going to turn down the opportunity. So I'm going to ask you this. You know, obviously El Paso, known for, you know, great cuisine. I'm looking forward 
with FIU playing in El Paso this year. Certainly looking forward to trying the cuisine, but I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you this. And it can be whether it's from your time, you know, in Kansas State or your time, you know, in CUSA and UTEP. Do you have a stop, a regular stop, you know, that that you, you've been to and, and the cuisine there is just really good. Anytime you get a chance to go to that city or that college, it's like, man, you know, I know I'm going to get a, a good meal or two when I'm, when I'm in town. Yeah, well, uh, you're talking to an XO lineman, okay? So conversations <laughs> seem to always, when you talk to XO linemen, you know, it, they always migrate to food. So you're right, you're right, you're right in my wheelhouse as far as that. That's something that all my ex-teammates and and coaches that I know that were O linemen, uh, like myself, that we we love to talk about food. So um, with that being said, Kansas State Taco Lucha. And So Long Saloon are the places to go, and they're owned by a former teammate of mine, and he runs the businesses uh, in a way they're supposed to be run, and they're some of the very, very most successful uh, restaurants. One of them, obviously, is a, uh, is a you know Mexican cuisine, and the other one is just a steakhouse with an old bar that he got in there. He, he went to uh, Wyoming and got this old bar that's set up in there, really cool, and uh, it's more of a hamburger and uh, a place where you get the, the hamburgers side by side, touch each other. And then here in El Paso, uh, you know, L&J Cafe, we just went there again, um, is one of ours. You know, there's so many good places to eat. Lucy's is another uh, Mexican restaurant uh, that's really, really good. And, and But our one of our favorites, I can't ever say a favorite in town, you know, that that's not politically correct. But Artavino's Desert Crossing sits right on the border, like very, very close in New Mexico, and trains go across the top of, you sit, you sit outside a lot or inside, trains go across at night, and it's lit up, and it's just really a good feel of what living in El Paso is like, and what a great city uh, El Paso is, and, and um, I know we were talking about weather a little bit earlier, you know, I was in Houston there at U of H, and, and um, I really love the weather in El Paso, because you have no humidity, and that's really uh-huh. a neat so um, weather out here is great, really good place, um, live, culture is unbelievably friendly, and we're the only big big thing in town. There's no, you know, major pro-level pro sports here, so that's really a neat thing for us as well. So uh, El Paso is great, food's wonderful, and people are great. Matt, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Obviously, being here in South Florida, we're used to a lot of different types of cuisine. Usually our, our Latin culture is that of Central America, so definitely looking forward to getting out to El Paso, and I've got a couple, a couple stops in Texas next year, so definitely looking forward excuse oh, me, looking forward good. to catch up the uh the mexican cuisine out there in uh in, in texas matt you're making me follow up on food i don't think that's fair <laughs> <laughs> matt you've heard this podcast before you know that's that. true and we get it and we get into the weeds on food too that's that's true uh and and uh coach i, I have a couple that uh some of them that you hit on a little bit but uh, and I covering rice, uh, I've kind of seen this progression of, of the, you know, the rebuild of you, you start with something. And like you mentioned, you got to build it up, uh, getting UTEP back to a bowl game last year. I know that was a big objective that, you know, was years in the making. H- how do you, how do you encore and how do you, what's the message for your team going into the next year after you've reached that big milestone? Well, don't take anything for granted. That's for darn sure. You know, and that's, important um take the culture and the work ethic and the practice mentality that's been established and and regain you know leadership from this year's team and be a self-led football team and definitely you know iron sharpens iron and we got better players and they got to continue to push each other and make each other better and i think that's the big part i always tell them that the biggest thing is is um 
you know, handling adversity is sometimes not fun at all, but sometimes handling prosperity is even more of a challenge than handling adversity. And so it's going to be a big challenge for our football team now after coming off of a, a bowl season of where we, of what we, how we handle it and, and where we go from there. And then I think one of the bright lights uh, for, for y'all in that build, uh, at least from from outside perspective, was, was the development of, of Gavin Hardison at quarterback. Quarterback is a, a position unlike anything in sports, right, where all the pressure uh, falls on one guy and he's got to produce. How how crucial was Gavin in you know helping you guys get that far? And what have you kind of seen the growth from him uh, along with the team? Yeah, and his growth is huge, and and it's been tremendous for us. And uh, he did a really, really good job last year of managing the team and managing. Uh, he has no ego, absolutely zero ego, um, and he really cares and he and he prepares that way. And so he's just continually, you know, under continuing to understand our offense more. Obviously, our offense has evolved since Iowa. You know, this is an offense that Bill Snyder had back in in Iowa at one time in the in the 80s with Hayden Fry and. Um, where they were the leading passing team in the Big Ten. Um, and then when we got to K-State, we really were, uh, in the early years, one of the leading passing teams in the Big Eight. And so we have, you know, and then, we, you know, we, we, we kind of morph our system to fit our personnel. And so the quarterback position has a lot on their plate. They can check at any time. they got a variety of routes that they run. So Gavin's been able to take that system and really grab a hold of it. And he has tremendous, tremendous arm talent. And and to go along with it, he's got he was raised you know very very well by his family, and he's got great moral values and great toughness to him. And uh, with that, he becomes a really good leader and been a really really important part of of the success of this football team. And and it's interesting that you, you mentioned the you know the managing aspect of the quarterback position because I, I in in high school football in texas today uh, you've kind of seen you know the kyler murray baker mayfield the the gunslinger has kind of emerged and taken center stage how how do you kind of juxtapose how you know a lot of the the football being played around you uh, is being played versus uh, running a, a a different style of offense uh, maybe than most and you know you, you having a fullback on the field and, and things like that how do you kind of rationalize those together yeah, it's really different, you know, because we're, we're going to huddle, you know. We don't huddle in practice, but we huddle in a game, and uh, we're going to huddle, and um, and we're going to do a lot of, you know, we probably have <laughs> 100 more routes than those systems have, you know what I mean, in our passing game, you know. So we're a lot more detailed, a lot more sophisticated of a style of offense, and um, that part of it puts a lot more pressure on a quarterback to be able to, to understand the concepts that we have in our system. And so um, it, it's a whole different style. Like I said, it's one that's evolved for over many, many years of college football, and it morphs into – but having a fullback has been big for us. We've had great fullbacks in our system, you know, uh, for, for many years in all the places that we've been, and and uh, we love using that position because it creates so many different angles in the run game. And, and um, you know, I really like how Oklahoma's offense has morphed because – They've taken all the air raid, and then with Bill Biedenboe there, and Bill and I were together at Arizona, he's really put in all the sophisticated run game type of stuff, and they use, you know, fullback type of personnel too. They've always had some really, really good ones uh, there at Oklahoma, and they've put the two systems together, and it's really become a really 
you know, explosive style of offense. And so, you know, I think you have to have the ability to run the ball with different angles and not just run the inside-outside zone out of spread sets, you know. And so that's why we've always stuck with having fullbacks and tight ends as a heavy part of what we're doing. And this is uh, it's interesting to me, and maybe this is for for people that aren't in the weeds of of recruiting as much. Kind of the inside baseball, you know. If you want to go out and find a quarterback, uh, you can go find your list of you know the top 300, 400 quarterbacks in the country, in the state, whenever. If you want to go find a a fullback to recruit, uh, there's no list of, of of the top fullbacks in the state of the country. You know, how how do you go out? Because you mentioned it's a, a crucial. Uh, position for for your offense how do you how do you go about finding someone at a position that that doesn't exist in high school football today well you know what's been fun for me is that uh you know as a coordinator i've coached the tight ends and fullbacks and running backs so when i was at arizona i coached tight ends fullbacks and running backs and i had the gronkowski brothers there with me and then when i went to k-state the younger gronkowski brother came and played fullback for me there and i still as a coordinator coach those positions again which is really really unusual but it's, it's it, there's reasons why we liked it uh and then my son followed uh uh glenn gronkowski and he was uh, three-time all big 12 and and uh and players so we've been the one thing we found about our fullback and now we have a really good one this year too uh here at utep is that it's one it's not near as easy to coach you got to be really talented you got to be really physical but you got to be a great processor because things move really fast and it's very dynamic so we've tried to take a lot of big strong guys and play them at fullback and they can't do it you know what i mean because you got to be a lot more than big and strong and be able to run fast. You got to have a lot of innate ability to play football. So great question. It's hard to find those type of guys. And we just study, study, study film and, and, uh, and watch guys and project guys that we think can make that transition. Cause some of them might not have ever played fullback, um, you know, in, um, in high school, my son never played fullback in high school. He was a tight end defensive end. So Glenn Gronkowski was a wide receiver that we gray shirted and put the weight on him uh, to be a fullback. Uh, uh, Chris Gronkowski was never a fullback. So those guys, we just had to find find them and mold them in, take athletes and mold them into that position. Yeah, fullbacks are people too. <laughs> we we <laughs> love our we, we love our fullbacks around here. I guys, I absolutely is my favorite position on the field. This is good. I got to get I got to get the fullback talk in while I can. Everybody else is like, how many wide receivers can we put on the field? Six, seven? No, nah, give me a fullback. Um, and I'll let you get out. On, I had one last question for you, and it's uh, particularly timely that we have you on this week in light of what's going on uh, around Conference USA, or, or rather Conference USA, I guess, as we know it, with the, the departure officially now uh, of Southern Miss, Old Dominion, and Marshall. Of course, you have a, another handful of schools that are, um, I guess, at some point leaving for the American. You mentioned New Mexico uh, State coming in and, and the, the new changes. Uh, how do you kind of rationalize as, as the leader of a, a football program um, what conference you're in and, and who you're going to be playing? Maybe even this, like the schedule just changed this week. How do you kind of, you know, run a ship in the midst of everything else around you um, being being so crazy? Yeah, we really don't get too caught up in that um, because we can't control it. You know, we don't have control over it. What we have control over uh, is our football team and what quality of product that we put out there. And so it's funny, I do not, sometimes I'll catch myself going, oh, you know, here's how the con con uh, conference is, is, is trending and here's what's going to happen next year and who's going to be in it next year. And all I think about is, 
you know, again, I start scouting those teams and get a better feel of some of them that we haven't played yet. Uh, but there's still going to be a whole lot of good football in our conference, a whole lot of good football teams. And uh, it's really hard to win uh, college football games, guys. It's super hard. And so every game's going to be a huge challenge for, for your football team. And we'll have, you know, really good quality football in, in any, uh, you know, type of league that we're in. So to me, there's no weak teams. You got to show up and play and the talent is, is there. And so I really don't, I honestly, honestly don't get too caught up in those sort of things at all. Uh, I get caught up in the product that we put out and, uh, and, and how we evaluate players because we feel like we know how to evaluate. We feel like we can get the right guys to fit what we do and, and really have a lot of success. So what other, what's happening around us is not in our control. Well, if anything, it sounds like just a little bit more homework for you. Uh, facing the same teams, you got a, a general yeah. game plan of what they're going to do, but now you got to go figure out, okay, I haven't watched Sam Houston in, in three years. What are they going to do? And it's exactly. more homework. You got to prepare for 15, 16, 18 teams now. Exactly. I don't have any idea about, you know, what Jacksonville State does. And I don't have any idea, you know, I've watched Liberty a lot because we've played some common opponents, but I don't know them um, like I know the teams that have been in our league for a while because you watch them and you know who's coming up in their program, you know who's leaving. So now it's brand new homework uh, for me. Obviously, we do know New Mexico State well, um, but the other teams that I mentioned don't know much. And we haven't played uh, middle uh, for a bit, and we haven't and we haven't played Western for a bit, um, but we're going to play middle this year, and so that'll help us as we make the transition to being, uh, you know, not in split sides of the conference, but being in this, you know, playing each other every year. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows who will be in the conference by the next time we chat. So yeah, yeah, exactly. there. <laughs> obviously, some opportunities for us to to uh, uh, bring some more teams in, which is I think is is really really good for the uh for the conference Absolutely. yeah it'll be interesting well that, that's all i had i'll kick it back to you eric Oh, no, no, sorry. I didn't mean to uh, jump in there. Matt, I was going to say, absolutely. It'd definitely be interesting as someone who, you know, covers this conference. I will be saying goodbye to you potentially at the end of the year, but I know I'll still be here for the time being covering FIU. But until then, we have plenty of time between now and then. We have the 2022 football season to look forward to. And with that, we do want to thank Coach Dana Dimmel for joining the podcast. A couple shout outs for you ready to close this one up. Of course, you can find Coach Dimmel on Twitter at Coach Dimmel UTEP. You can find UTEP football on Twitter at UTEPFB. Want to thank Matt Bartlett again for joining us. He is the publisher of The Roost. You can find him on Twitter at The Roost. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Last but not least, you can find this podcast, your home, SB Nation's home, I should say, for uh, G5 football coverage, Conference USA, the American, and the Sun Belt at Underdog Dynasty. Uh, subscribe Apple Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Whether it's uh, Spotify, you know Podbean, wherever. Subscribe there and leave us reviews. It's the only way we can help this podcast grow. Again, want to thank Coach Dana Dimmel for joining us. And uh, again, it is March thirty first, so we've got spring games right around the corner. As Coach Dimmel said, their spring's wrapping up in about eight nine days. I know ours, uh, or I shouldn't say ours, but FIU's. I should say uh, they're having their spring game on Friday, so. I get to say this with confidence. Happy football watching, everybody, and stay safe out there.